Welcome to episode number 36 of the Corner of Hunter George, Peterborough's Art and Cultural Podcast. I feel like I'm coming at you today in kind of a news program format, even though this is not a news program and never will be. Mary Ellen Arbiger is a local environmental activist speaking out against Bill 23, the Ford government's most significant legislation yet. I'll get more into. She is our guest today. She is also a volunteer coordinator and turtle technician at the Land Between. A former Trent student in environmental science and environmental studies, she was responsible for a recent protest on November 26th against Bill 23 in Peterborough around Morrill Park, Peterborough uh, Lansdowne and Park, anyway. Uh, Bill 23, which just passed today, is the Ford government's housing supply action plan, which is supposed to build one and a half million homes by 2032, or more homes built faster, in their own words. It doesn't do anything to make housing more affordable. Is it just a ticket? to create more urban sprawl. As we'll find out more in the program, is it just a simple demise, a further demise to our own democratic system? Is it a payback Ford is giving to all his financial backers, many art developers? Well, I think it's going to come out what side I'm on on that question and others. I hate doing that in a lot of ways, but I can't hold back on this one, and Mary Ellen has helped helped guide me through this in this upcoming interview. We have a crisis coming our way environmentally, and it doesn't do anything to help our crisis already there economically. Here's my interview with Mary Ellen. Bill 23 just passed a matter of it hours is ago. It very fitting. Yes, I, I thought I, I thought I heard that there might be protests already today. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think there actually might be some people down at the ministry building right now. Right. Uh, upset. So yeah, yes. rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, rightfully so. Um, so I guess I'll just start off with the biggest question. Uh, two parts. Um, what is Bill 23, and more importantly, what do you feel is wrong with it? Sure. Okay. Uh, so big questions. Yes. <laughs> so Bill 23, I won't I won't go into all the details because it, honestly, we could talk about it for hours. Just what mm-hmm. it is. It's it's massive. Um, but basically, it is a bill that is designed to build more housing in Ontario. So it's designed. Their their target that they've stated in that bill is that they're going to build. Uh, 1.5 million houses in 10 years. 
That's a lot of houses. And so the way that they're going to do that is they're completely dismantling a whole bunch of planning systems and um, monitoring systems for nature and all kinds of uh, just generally the way the way housing normally gets built is completely getting dismantled. So um, one of the biggest things is that they're changing development fees. So that's a big uh, that's a big money money words. It's a big uh, avenue of funds for yes. municipalities. Yes. So uh, development fees go towards things like roads and hospitals and schools and amenities that we need in our communities. The bill cuts a whole bunch of those fees. Um, and theoretically, this makes it easier for developers because there's not as much red tape for them. But um, we need that money to come from somewhere, right? So it's going to come from property taxes and things like that. So that's one reason why things will not actually be affordable. Sorry, I guess I should have also started with the fact that this is all under the guise that this housing is going to be affordable, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's not going to be affordable housing. They've changed the definition of affordable. Affordable now means 80% of the market value. That's not an affordable housing unit. That's still a very expensive housing unit. Um, they've also limited the number of units that are built that can be affordable and the amount of time that they can be affordable. So only 5% of the units that are built are going to be affordable and they can only be affordable for 25 years. So um, right away, you can see that it's full of holes, right? This is this is the guise so that we can develop sprawling suburban neighborhoods that are reliant on roads, that are reliant on extra resources and uh, meanwhile, all these municipalities where housing housing is needed, right? We need housing. Mm -hmm. We are in a housing crisis all over the province. No one's denying that. Um, we do need to find a way to build houses, but these municipalities that are going to be affected have already found space to build that housing within communities that already exist, within infrastructure that already exists, right? So that is more cost effective. That's less resources, and uh, it's more sustainable down the, down the line. Um, so, yeah. The bill, it's its going to destroy our nature. It's going to destroy our heritage. Um, another big thing that they're doing in this bill to allow all these new units to be built is they're changing, uh, they're changing the way plans happen. So they're changing where things can get built. Uh, they're changing the way wetlands get evaluated. So they're enabling development on wetlands that potentially have species at risk in them. Um, and they're, so they're changing the way things get evaluated so that wetlands that have previously been deemed significant can now be delisted from that so that they can be developed on. And then, of course, as everyone is talking about, he's opened up about 7,000 acres, more than 7,000 acres in the Greenbelt, which is supposed to be permanently protected land so that we can build houses. That's going to fragment farmland. That's going to affect our food system. The filling of wetlands also going to affect our food system. We're going to have floods. We're going to have droughts. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's just a couple of the things that are happening in the bill. Does that answer the question? <laughs> no, that's no. I think you bring up some very good points there. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the most, uh, I won't say astonishing because I'm not really too surprised, but the things that really people should know is it really just overrides a lot of municipalities voice in this. Like the province can decide for themselves, they can override any municipal zoning or the conservation boards and things like that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, basically just power to the premier and the minister to do whatever mm -hmm. they want, wherever they want. That's what they've done. They've overridden all of these planning and growth plans and policies so that they can just decide where things get built, essentially. Yes. Yeah. So, 
Um, I guess just to take one step back, how is how did your protest go on November 26th this past weekend? And it I guess was, now, so yeah, start that first. Go, okay, go yeah, it was it was amazing. Sorry, I just got excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was awesome. Um, I had 150 people come out in support from from all kinds of different, uh, you know, like there was children and their parents. There was like retirees. There were students. There was a member of CUPE there in support. It was it was really really powerful. It was all kinds of people and all like everyone driving by was honking in support. It was really really special. So it really showed me and showed everyone who came out that we are angry. We are upset in this community. We're not alone. We're everyone across Ontario is upset. So we're not going to be silent about this and we're not going to we're going to continue to make noise even though it's been passed. But yeah. Okay, and that was at Morrill Park, if I, from what I recall, right? This, this it was uh, Lansdowne and Park Street. We just stood yeah. along the intersection, yeah. Right. Okay, and what, I guess maybe you haven't totally decided, but uh, have you and other organizations involved in this decided, uh, like, what your future plans are now that it has passed? Um, I have not chatted with anyone since it passed since that just happened today um but there there is talk of more rallies the environmental defense which is a big environmental organization that's been responding very strongly to this bill has decided on a a weekend of action so this coming weekend is another weekend of action um so they're asking communities to hold protests and to hold demonstrations in the name of this bill or to in the against this bill um so i'm not sure if peterborough will have one i unfortunately cannot um, I don't have the capacity to plan another one so quickly, but I hope somebody will. <laughs> I have a feeling that will happen, but I guess we should should make the audience aware too. This is hardly just a Peterborough only event. This is happening around the province. I don't know if you yes. can add anything to that. Like I'll just add, for example, where one area I'm from, like uh, around Lake Simcoe, where they're planning to build the was it Highway 413 or yeah. something? Yeah, a Brantford Bypass, whatever. Yeah, that there's been a lot of protests around that area, but uh, I don't know if you could add anything to what you're aware is happening around the province, or maybe you have a linkage to other communities as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't have details, but I can mm-hmm. tell you just off the top of my head, there have been protests in Hamilton, London, Waterloo, Scarborough, Toronto, uh, Niagara, uh, some really small communities sort of all in between, like anything in between there. There have been even just like in really, really small townships, people are standing up against this. Um, there has been a huge number of organizations that have that have released statements about it and uh, petitions and letter writing campaigns and phone calling campaigns to your MPs and your MPPs, among which are ACORN, which is a housing advocacy group, um, environmental defense, like I said, Nat- Ontario Nature, um yeah the list goes on um there's also you know some some like uh real estate there's a real estate board that's been uh sort of evaluating i don't know there's they're sort of against sort of in favor it's a little bit neutral i haven't i haven't actually gotten all the way through that one but it's it's not just environmental groups and housing groups i guess is my point it's really really across the board reactions Mm -hmm. and most for the most part negative reactions to this bill so okay and this is more a commentary than a question. I think I think people should know it's a little suspicious that some of these developer uh, developing companies that have been benefiting from this, whereas people who are a like big Asparis family is the biggest one, but people who like uh, 
contributed a lot to the conservative party and B, they bought some of this greenbelt land after Ford was elected in the last year or two, like not just, yeah. uh, not just in, um, around this area, although Clarington is one, but, uh, Pickering, Vaughn, a lot of spots in York too, which I was just noticing today. So, um, so that, that certainly has to be deemed kind of suspicious. Now I'm just curious, you brought this up in your first answer, but like, um, what do you think, say this development does happen, what are sort of the risks we have of natural disasters such as flooding from this? Because you were talking about it going over wetlands and things like that. Yeah, um, big, big risk. I, I, I don't have any, like, numbers for you or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, wetlands are our filter system for our mm-hmm. water and our buffer system for our water. So... Uh, if we don't have wetlands, they're like sponges, basically, right? So they they absorb all the extra water when we have big storms and stuff like that. And they also store that water for when we have times of drought. So if we don't have wetlands to act in both of those ways as storage and as absorption, we aren't going to be able to regulate water in the same way, right? Like you can't you can't replace that kind of natural functioning service easily at least it would be very expensive i don't even know if you can do it i would love to see some research if that exists but um yeah so when when we we fill in wetlands we're gonna have floods we're gonna have droughts uh we're also losing habitat for species at risk and species that are not at risk they're all valuable um and uh yeah like i said it's just not necessary it's putting it's putting populations at risk for no reason because we already have the space to build these units that are needed and to build them affordably. It's just, it's unnecessary to destroy really, really valuable natural space that way. And we right. will suffer the consequences. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt. I mean, some of that's already been happening anyway, but it's exactly. probably yeah. even going to get worse. I was reminded actually when I was listening to uh, just recently deceased Mike Davis. Uh, kind of sociologist kind of who wrote tons of books but he was talking about california but kind of could relate to this because he was talking about how there about five or ten years ago they had the same sort of thing like they felt like they needed to build the government there felt like they needed to build more housing because they had a huge homeless crisis and things like that but they just Mm -hmm. thought they should build more luxury estates kind of more sprawl and they ended up building it on land so we're susceptible to forest fires and forest fires have been constant in California for several years now. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, those sort of things come like, yeah, come at these natural disaster consequences that people maybe don't think about. Um, so are you saying overall, yes, for, we do definitely have a housing crisis, as you said, this, this bill 23 doesn't really do anything for affordable housing. It doesn't do much. There's so like there's some very, very small things that are thrown in there that are beneficial, but the rest of it is so powerfully going in the other direction that it just doesn't really matter. Um, so that a couple things they've done, they changed some rules around inclusionary zoning and um, like there's some some very, very weak densification, like they gentle densification, I think is what they call it in the bill. So they do talk about that and that that is a solution, but they, it's not strong enough and it's not the focus of the bill at all. The focus of the bill is uh, creating these sort of sprawling suburban 
I don't know what else to call them, suburbia. Um, yeah. 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 And like, if you, if you were in charge of this, like if you were thinking of our housing crisis, what, what sort of approach would you take to it? Say, say you had all the powers in the world. <laughs> um, I would be listening to the communities more. I would be, mm-hmm. I would be working on a coordinated, um, really planned, really, really well thought out way to develop. And that's what these municipalities were doing before this happened, right? They were planning, they were coordinating, they were trying to figure out sustainable growth measures. And the way this bill operates is just going to make everything uncoordinated. The municipalities are going to be fending for themselves. They're not going to be able to, uh, they're not going to have the money to to build the infrastructure that they need. They're not going to have the money to service things the way they need to. Um, and that that's just counterintuitive. So yeah, if I had, if I had the power, I would be talking to the municipalities and I would be working with those levels of government as well. And I would be listening to the people that are actually needing the housing and what they need. And uh, I would definitely not be filling in wetlands. (laughs) Definitely not. I would definitely not be putting our food system and our nature at risk to do that. So. Right. Now, how is, uh, I've sometimes I've read somewhere at the beginning of this before when the bill just came out, that sort of, Peterborough itself is kind of exempt from this because we're not really in the green belt and things like that. Do you know of any sort of specific ways our community is affected by this? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we, you're right. We're not on the green belt. Um, and I, I have heard this too. Like, why should I care if I live in Peterborough? Well, um, so the reality is that we've actually been rezoned. We are now part of the greater golden horseshoe. So uh-huh. Um, this bill is very focused on the greater golden horseshoe. So we will definitely be affected. And more than that, the bill does not specify that this, that it's only going to be impacting specific municipalities. It's very open-ended. So, um, I don't have any faith that Ford is going to, you know, keep this contained. I think that if, if he's creating these powers for himself and for his government, there's no, there's no telling where he's going to take them necessarily. Right. So I don't think that anyone is necessarily safe from this kind of development. Yeah. Would you, I mean, I'd be thinking that West of us, because I know they were certainly talk of this, that there'd be a lot of housing built in say Cavan Monaghan kind of area. Yeah. But that, that came up a lot during our municipal election. So it did. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering how that might play into this down the line. Mm -hmm. So is one of your worries, because I believe if I'm correct in saying you grew up or at least went to high school in Scarborough, that's correct. Are you sort of, are you sort of worried about like Ontario kind of becoming kind of like this, but already a lot of it is already kind of sprawl, but a lot of it will be kind of like this endless kind of sprawl, like a Scarborough, Mississauga, almost everywhere you sort of see. Yeah. Yeah. I went to high school in the beaches actually. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Okay. (laughs) No, that's okay. It's, um, Oh, I'm absolutely worried about that. And I think that another big risk in in turning into that kind of community and another another big thing that's happening with this bill is that uh, our ability to protect our heritage sites and our mm-hmm. historical places is also at risk, right? So when we create all this sprawling sort of gentrified, whatever you want to call it, it's it's not keeping our culture and it's not keeping our, our important cultural and historical significant spaces. And the bill... Bill 23 um, has measures in it that makes it very, very hard to save heritage sites, especially ones that are sort of less conspicuous and smaller and more humble that maybe have to do with Indigenous culture or Black history or, 
or LGBTQ plus history. So that's, that's very scary to me. I think that's a big part of being human is having our culture and our history around us. And, and we could lose that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I was reading somewhere that I think it's Ajax. They had, they, they were, they, the municipality was going to designate it as a cultural heritage site. Uh, but that's being overridden by this bill and it's, it, that land has been bought up by one of the developer families. So it's like mm-hmm. 75 hectares or something like that at the north, north, north end of like that Duffins Creek, Duffins Bay area, right. which is one of the biggest areas they're going to build on. Um, and so what is, uh, what has been your role in like, say what you did Saturday and maybe previous protests of, of, of this bill and other, other environmental um protests or movements you've been part of yeah um i so i um that was actually the first protest that i've ever held single-handedly oh, okay so that that was cool that was really powerful um and i'm so so glad that it was so successful um and i learned a lot putting that on but previous to that i'm i'm involved with some climate action groups here in peterborough locally that i sort of do in my spare time i work for a conservation nonprofit, so it's also um part of my job my part of my job is not to make protests but part of my job is to you know understand what's going on mm-hmm. in terms of um policies and legislature that will affect our ability to protect land so um i've i guess i'm just trying to say that i've been sort of up on this and involved in it and passionate about it for a long time and i'm in the last couple of years sort of starting to find my voice and my platform to talk about it and to take action against it so uh, i've been working with for our grandchildren here in peterborough for about mm-hmm. a year now and i've been part of several of their protests i've spoken at several of their protests so they've really been uh, supporting me and encouraging me. And my boss has also been encouraging me. It's, uh, she's very concerned about the bill as well as we're, we're a conservation nonprofit. So, uh, she's been, you know, amplifying me and helping me, helping me feel motivated to do things like this. Um, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And are you talking about, uh, your boss at land between, is that what you mean? Yes. My boss. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and, if if people are wanting to take part, I'm sure you will do something upcoming in the future. It sounds like that's in your plans. How can people take part in this or find out about it or that sort of thing? Um, they can. Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Facebook, I guess, or Instagram. Okay. That would be one way. You can sign up for for our grandchildren email list. Um, I usually share anything that I'm doing with them. So that would be a pretty easy way to okay. stay informed as well. Yeah. Okay. And not just for your grandchildren, but there's at least two or three other organizations involved. Uh, what are, what organizations are those like local organizations that I'm a part of? Uh, maybe not a part of, but they were at least there with you at the protest and are oh. kind of, you seem to be doing this collaterally with them. Yeah. Anyway. Um, at the protest, I don't know. There wasn't actually another organization that was like affiliated with us. There were people from For Our Grandchildren. Or hmm, who else was there? There were some Green Party people actually at the at the protest. That was another one. So the Green Party is very involved in in pushback on Bill Twenty Three. Okay, yeah, yeah. and 
I, I'd be, yeah, so I, I think I picked up one quote, not today, but uh, not too long ago from Mike Schreiner saying that uh, basically kind of what you're saying that uh, that with developer fees cut, he predicts the municipalities are going to be forced to increase property taxes. And this will do, in his words, nothing done for affordable housing, really. Mm-hmm. And so do you, are you thinking along the same lines of what he said? Yeah. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it's, yeah, it's people of some other experts have said that it's going to build less units than it even sets out to because it's just so poorly planned. So, yeah, it's not going to fix the affordable housing issue at all. <laughs> and um, like um, just maybe in a, yeah, I'm sure you probably haven't, maybe you haven't thought of this yet, but uh I'm sure you heard of like in a, a month or two ago, there were these like um, not about the same issues, obviously, but in the UK and Europe, there are these uh, protests, you know, how people were spilling tomato juice on uh, artist pictures and things like that. But uh, and things along on those lines and museums. And I think there was some grocery store things, but it was about the environment. They were environmental protesters. Uh, I'm not saying you're planning on doing that or that's going to happen, but do you sometimes feel like, um, are you still kind of, I guess, enthused about uh, how things have gone? Like you said, things really went well Saturday, or do you feel like you may have to, uh, whoever you're working with, maybe commune and think of other strategy tactics. I'm not saying the same ones as what happened in the UK, but, uh, you know, so in some ways you, you, you probably sometimes feel like, um, Doug Ford and his company and his developer friends don't really care about what you're doing. Just really, you know, it's not stopping them from doing what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's what a lot of people are feeling right now is just the sort of sheer, force of this government right now and the the inability to really do anything right i mean we're making noise we're trying our best but the bill still passed today mm-hmm. so he doesn't care what we're doing he's he's on his little path of whatever um so yeah there's there's definitely been a lot of talk of how do we actually get his attention how do we mobilize and coordinate enough across all of these groups, right? And like I said, it's like hundreds of groups of all different kinds, all different sizes, all different sectors. So how do we coordinate and mobilize in a way that's actually effective? And I actually, I wish I had an answer. I'm I'm on all kinds of meetings where we're trying to figure that out. So stay tuned. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wasn't expecting you to have an answer. I just will suggest something, uh, and I don't have an answer either, but I'm just saying... Um, even though they have still not come to an agreement when QP were recently uh, on their s- strike. I mean, they had all the other unions joining them, and basically there were talks of a general strike. Well, that mm-hmm. got the bill that they passed, the notwithstanding clause, that got them to retract it. So yeah. that that's sort of, I think you're right, a bunch of different groups coming together and some sort of action of some sort anyway. Because, um, yeah, it must uh, – I, I mean – I, I have, uh, you know, I, I, I worry about like sort of what things are going to be like in this province. My children are now like in their early twenties, um, kind of things, what things are going to be like. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, definitely kind of a dire worry if we're just going to have, uh, like sprawl, um, just happening all over the place and our green belt sounds like for the most part it's going to gen- generally be erased but uh 
Yeah, yeah I, I'm really, I'm really scared, and I, mm-hmm. I think that everyone is scared, and everyone should be scared of this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really terrifying, and uh, like we've seen the destruction already. We've seen the effects of climate change and they're only going to continue to get worse. They're only going to be exacerbated by this kind of development. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm really scared too. <laughs> now, I guess I should mention you took environmental studies at Trent, right? That was, uh, is that, is that kind of what got you into sort of feeling passionate about the environment to begin with, or you always were like that? Um, yeah. Uh, so I went to Trent for environmental science and environmental studies. So I did mm-hmm. their, the BESS program there. Um, I was already definitely interested in this before I got that degree. I actually, I picked Trent because I knew that I was interested in environmental things. I just didn't really know what that was going to take me to later. So I did that and it was like a very nice general, learn a lot about a lot of different things kind of degree. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've done some farming work as well. And then now I work for a conservation nonprofit. So I've definitely like dipped my feet in a couple different things. I'm I'm not sure what my passion or focus is, but maybe it's maybe it's fighting climate bills. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, but it's it's taking up a bit of your time right now, anyway. That's so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, now, just to your own just uh, to your own knowledge, like we we're talking a bit about flooding. Do you also see there being? I mean, you wouldn't really dream of this about Ontario in the past but do you see there being at times a bit of a like a water shortage issue in any sort of way if this totally goes through to its full ramifications um potentially mm-hmm. um and again i'm I'm not an i'm not a hydrologist i'm no expert so uh you know take everything i say with a grain of salt but uh i i could say yes probably because like i said it a wetland is like a storage for water. And, uh, I can say from personal experience of having worked on a sustainable farm already that when there's no rain, it's really scary. It gets really, really scary when we start running out of water and that's already happening to farmers all over the place. So, um, I think there's, there's a good chance that we'll have some water shortages if all these wetlands do get filled. Yeah. Okay. And also perhaps also on the topic of water, like some of it being kind of, um, just with a bunch of different systems having to be put in, like some water being tainted or somewhat spoiled by just like further development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big potential for that. Um, another thing that, that they changed in the bill is uh, conservation authorities, right? So conservation authorities are now as of today, no longer allowed to protect land for the sake of protecting land, like for its inherent mm-hmm. value. And they also aren't allowed to protect land to protect from pollution. They are only allowed to protect people and places from natural hazards, quote unquote. So, um, yeah, that that's a little bit alarming. That's very alarming, actually, not just a little bit alarming. Um, you know, what's going to happen to all these pollutants if if no one's monitoring them? Where are they going to go? Right. They're going to probably end up in our watersheds. Again, I don't I don't have a big enough picture of how that's really going to go immediately. Um, hopefully not not you know, as black and white as that, I really hope not. But, um, you know, the precedent is scary that that pollution is no longer a concern for conservation authorities. Um, also, increased reliance on cars that it's going to happen based on, you know, that these all these developments will be very sprawling. So we're, everyone's going to be driving cars. So that's more pollution. That's more runoff from roads into our 
watersheds, all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, there's definitely possible possibility for more pollution in the province. Yeah. And would you agree like, yes, we're going to be building more houses, but as long as that is um, kept in the hands of like private developers and so on, it's quite limited how much we're making housing affordable just, just on that issue, forget about all the environmental impacts. Like, yeah, would you agree at that point as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, all the measures like the, the the definition of affordable is no longer affordable and mm-hmm. the the number of units like the the developers don't have to make very many of their units affordable right and so um yeah all of these places are going to be really expensive they're going to be and anything that's next to like the only wetlands that are actually going to be conserved are the ones that are important for recreation so anything that's going to be placed next to these now very very rare wetlands that's going to be an expensive property right so um, yeah, none of it's going to be affordable. I mean, a very, a very small amount of it maybe will be affordable, but yeah. Right. I, I think I was reading, I don't know, I can't remember the exact location. One of the locations in York is either McCowan or Kennedy Road where, yeah, the developers are basically planning to build um, fa- single singular family homes, a lot of detached and maybe one apartment building for one, for one area. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I guess to take devil's advocate for a sec, uh, so, you know, our population has been growing a fair bit anyway in the GTA. There are people obviously lacking housing. Uh, if anyone comes at you with that sort of criticism, what would you say? What would you say to that? I would say, yes, you're right. We do need housing. Um, no, yeah, no one's denying that. Um, but we do not need to develop on wetlands and develop on the green belt and build suburban networks like this. This is not, first of all, like, like we just discussed, not going to be affordable. Second of all, not going to be accessible to people that are experiencing homelessness, for example, who are living like, just say like in the downtown core of Peterborough, how Mm -hmm. are they going to get to suburbia? Right. That's that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And third of all, like I said previously, we we have enough space. We already have these spaces allocated within municipalities, within communities where there is infrastructure already, where there's space that's not being used to its full potential. So there is no point in going into these other spaces that we need for other services. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can we do need affordable housing. We can get it. We don't need to destroy nature to get it. And you're someone who'd like to maybe see in the future, like a densification of not just Peterborough, but all sort of areas instead of yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So just, uh, there's two last quick points. So if to, I guess to sum it up, what, when you're doing all this work organizing on sat, uh, what you did on Saturday and what you'll do in the future, like what are the things you feel most unjust about bill 23? I know you've already mentioned them, but like uh, all of them before, but like the things that really first come to mind, the things you feel are most unjust about it. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, actually, and we haven't talked about this yet, but the bill it's, it's threatening our democracy as well. Right. So there was Mm -hmm. no consultation on this bill. 
Uh, particularly, there was no consultation on Indigenous populations in Canada, and they are going to be largely affected, and it's their land to begin with, right? So mm-hmm. that's a huge violation of their rights. That is not what reconciliation looks like at all. Uh, so that's uh, that's a really big one for me. Um, second, that the municipalities were not consulted at all, that they weren't given the chance to weigh in on this bill. Um, and the powers that the premier gives himself and his ministers, that's really scary to me. That's that's a threat on our democracy. Um, so that's a big problem. The other problem, as an environmentalist, I'm very worried about the wetlands and the animals that use them and the services that they provide to humans and what our well-being as a society is going to look like down the line if if these developments really do go through. And I'm also worried about the precedent that is set by allowing development on permanently protected green space, which is the green belt, right? Mm -hmm. That is permanently protected. If you delist something that's permanently protected, what does that mean for the rest of our spaces that are permanently protected, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a really, really scary thing that he's setting a precedent for for, um, changing those kinds of rules down the line. And then, of course, the affordable housing aspect that it's just it's not going to help anyone that actually needs help. It's going to profit the developers and the government are going to profit. I mean, I don't know if the government will profit, but the developers and the real estate agents for sure will profit and no one else will be profiting. And the rest of society will be um, well, maybe not the rest of society, but everyone will be will be suffering the repercussions, including those that are benefiting from it. Right. So it's it's just it makes no sense. Um, and then the other thing is um, that we also haven't talked about is that there, the solution, the solution to um, all the all the loss of green space is to offset it, which means to allocate conservation space somewhere else nearby. And that's based on very little successful science. So that has been proven to not work. You can't replace an ecosystem in one spot at another spot because animals and insects and plants are in one spot and they're not going to move because you want them to. And the services that are provided in one spot can't provide for that same community if they're in another spot. So it just, it's not logical and it's not safe. So yeah, those are, those would be my top concerns, but there are so many, so many things in this bill and it's on purpose, right? He made it enormous and confusing on purpose so that we would mm-hmm. not be able to wrap our heads around it. And that also makes me mad. So yes, he's not the first to have done that, but uh, no, yes, not. it's definitely an, a, a tactic he often uses. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's good. People like you have attempted to read it anyway and gain an understanding of what the intentions are. Cause yes, that's a little hard for most of us to do. Well, there was my interview with Mary Ellen. That was, uh, I wanted to be right on top of this Bill 23. I've let it out. I guess I don't really uh, have much liking for it, and neither does she. And it's going to affect our future children and grandchildren and so on. Well, notes I'm going to include are things such as what she was mentioning, uh, Mary Ellen's Facebook page for our grandchildren's page. And I don't know, hopefully I'm going to be wrong and we're not just going to have endless sprawl and certain developers making a lot of money and not much done about affordable housing. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. 
but at least I've helped make the issue present on my podcast or I wouldn't have felt right about it. So I'll see you again next time. Hopefully I'll have something a bit more uplifting and less somber to talk about than this, but uh, thank you very much for your time today.